This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We thank you for your word that is that mirror tonight that we can look in. We thank you for a desire, Lord, that you have placed inside of us to be here. Lord, we could have been many other places, but we've come to meet you with a living God, not a dead God, not a religious God of our own making, but a God, Lord, who is the God of the universe and revealed himself as a father. And we thank you that we can cry out, Abba, Father, tonight. Such a freedom that you have given us by the blood of Jesus to boldly, Lord, proclaim who you are. And I thank you, Lord, that you will arrest every person here by your spirit in such a way that we will be transformed, that we will be, Lord... You are just so in awe of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your invitation. Thank you that there's a place at the table for each one of us to sit and come and eat your word, but also, Lord, to come and dine with you and feast with you. We thank you for that abundant life. And Lord, tonight again, we deny ourselves. We deny our own fleshly desires, our own will, God, our own, Lord, we are our worst enemies, but we acknowledge when we look to you, All those things fade away because you are our sufficient one. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. It means I agree. Okay, so we're going to talk about a little bit about surrender. And especially in the context of serving this month, we are, especially in the morning services, talking through all the community services that we're doing. There's so many people in in this church. We, I think, what, 1,400 people in the church that are busy doing amazing stuff all over Stellenbosch and we sort of telling people a little bit about what some of those people are doing and where people can get involved and even on a Sunday like this today there's more than 150 to 200 volunteers working and serving to to be part to for you and I to be able to sit on that chair for me to be able to stand here you know and that's that's amazing that's amazing that we have a church and people that understand part of the character of God but the world out there lives in a different realm yeah, and so I just want to throw a couple of words out here. The first one is this word title. Okay, so what is a title? If I have a title, maybe on, on the bottom of your email, you know, you get these some of these pastors that write your email with this person, and then he's like, most holy, reverend, bishop, archbishop, you know, apostle, prophet. Apparently now these days they are kings as well. I, I, I don't know how it works, but I just only know one king, the king of all kings. But hallelujah, so, you know, and, and so sometimes you have like this massive like email status and title, you know. So what is a title? Is a claim based on a certain right or a position somebody occupies. The world is about status, title, you know, you're going to go and work somewhere and then somebody will call, you call somebody boss maybe, or you'll say yes, mister, or maybe just like, hey dude, I don't know if you work in a surf shop. But so, <clears throat> yeah, then it's dude, I don't know what, you know. Apparently, they call the ladies bros as well. Hey, bro, in, in, in a towel. Any bros here? But I don't know. Those surfing people, we are trying to trying to figure them out. But hallelujah. Okay, so we're talking about serving, not surfing tonight. Okay, so, uh, so this is, let's just keep on focusing. Okay, so it's a certain right or a position somebody occupies. But what happens in our culture, in, and many of you would have grown in that way, is, is a, something we call entitlement, is a is deserving of something or a certain privilege. Now, that's the big word today, privilege. You know, this privilege, that privilege, that privilege, you know. And um, so 
it basically say I have a right to something. It is my life. I'm in control. I make my own decisions and I make my choices. So it doesn't matter what you think or what you say. I'm in charge. I'm entitled to my opinion. I'm entitled to what I want. And so entitlement is, is a big thing of this new generation for all of us that are here under the age of 25. Us under 25. That is, um, that's amazing, you know. And, and one of the challenges is we grow up with parents just like, hey, you know, almost like what they call helicopter parents is like overparenting us, you know, because a lot of people are in fear. So mom will phone you every three minutes of where are you? Are you at home? Are you doing this? And, and so there's sometimes an overprotection of parents, you know, um, over kids. And, and now, you know, the other day I was walking there in the, in the shop and hallelujah, this three-year-old was telling his mom exactly what she must do in life. And I thought like, how old are you? Three. Yeah, three. You know? And I was thinking, you can't even count. You know? But you've got an opinion, yeah? <laughs> and, 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 and so it is, it, is, it is so amazing, you know, now, whenever somebody tells you something or you don't, everybody's so scared about what is your opinion. And it, suddenly, then we begin to talk about truth. What is truth? And what is, oh, truth doesn't, like, there's no absolutes in truth anymore, you know? Because truth is relative to how you feel. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And so this wave is going through generations and especially through the West. And our challenge is it's not really biblical. And there comes a place where you and I are invited to something more, but we've been made that way. And so, so I want to say tonight that God would never invite us to something that he has not already done or already given. So if God says, be a servant, then... He is the ultimate servant. If God says love, then he's the ultimate one that gives love. And that's so amazing that when you and I want to love others, we can't do it in our own strength. We must first discover how much he loves us. He says his perfect love cast out every fear, but we love him because he first loved us. Now, I asked this morning in the this, in this service, how many of you, if I would walk up to you tonight and I would give you a big present, a 5,000 rands worth of present, I'll, I'll just come up and i say, it's not your birthday, like, whose birthday is it? Somebody's birthday, yeah? Hello. Congratulations, congratulations. Oh, the Spirtier, it's his birthday. Okay. Sure, you must check, it's natural muscles that, it's not gym muscles. Okay, but so... Congratulations. But imagine I don't give the gift to them. I give it to you. I just walk up and with, give you a gift and I say, here's the gift. Think of your reaction. What would your reaction be? Would it be a reaction of suspicion? Why, why are you giving me this gift? I didn't do anything to deserve it. Or would it maybe, how many, how many of you would think a little bit like that? You would immediately think, hey, wrong address, you know. <laughs> the drone didn't deliver it, you know. This is, this is uh, Makuta Avenue. This is not Oranjo Avenue, you know. Wrong address, you know. Because I don't deserve it, so why do you give me this gift? Or how many of you would think, sure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of receive the gift, but immediately I'm going to begin to think, how must I give something back? How can I repay you? Come on, be honest. Okay, this is church. You're not allowed to lie. Okay. We sometimes lie in church, but hey, that's not, we're not supposed to. 
but but the way that you somebody gives you a gift is a is a condition of our hearts because we all struggle just to receive now we can't give unless we first receive from god and that's why it's so amazing that god has come to lay down his title god has laid down his crown imagine being in heaven receiving all this worship all the time the angels the cherubim the seraphim are singing before the throne of god singing holy 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 they don't stop singing holy 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 they don't get bored because every time they after the third holy they think like god you're revealing something more of yourself so they just keep on singing the same word over and over for a thousand billion years you'll never get bored in the presence of god and yet god left all of that to come and serve whoa that's crazy so so that's the thing and that's why people say how can god judge one day there can't be a heaven and hell but the only reason why god can judge and why he's got the right to judge is because he's done it himself and in light of where you and i stand you cannot say one day to him well lord i didn't forgive those people because he's forgiven everything he's forgiving forgiven you everything so in the light of his forgiveness i can forgive I mean, are you with me? Thank you for your enthusiasm. So listen to what the Paul writes here in Romans. He says, I beseech you, I beg you, I, I tell you, I, I plead with you, people. You therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, when you come to church, when you come to small group, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you have this place where you pre you're presenting yourself to God, but like a sacrifice, like a willing offering, like somebody that says, yo, I present myself to him, acceptable to God, because it's based on what Jesus has done, not based on whether I've had a good air day or whether I had a ba bad air night or whatever, but my reasonable service, it's my expected service of him and towards him god ex god has got an expectation of you so now it's not suddenly an emotion anymore god has got an expectation <laughs> Ooh. i have these friends they said one day that was a very very embarrassing moment for them they said one day they were rushing and they had a they you know they got the just after their wedding like six months after their wedding they went to another wedding and so they just grabbed some of the presents that they um got you know and they took it to the other wedding yeah and they gave it to them and after three weeks the other people opened up the wedding but they didn't know that the gift card that those people gave them was still in the present you know and the friends phoned them and says thank you for giving back our own present to us but you forgot to take out the gift card think like oh <laughs> yeah Sure. Has it happened to anybody? Some people are laughing as like, yeah, yeah, I know that one, you know. But it's 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 crazy when you give the same gift back, you know. But so the reason why I'm telling that is is if if some it's somebody's birthday, if it's somebody's like, whoa, if I'm going to that 21st or whatever, I'm I'm gonna start thinking what what can I buy and what can I give? Because this person doesn't like this and she doesn't like that and he doesn't like that, but I'm gonna start to do something or give a gift that will bless them, that will that will serve them, that will that will enhance their life. You know, guys, never give 
your girlfriend or your wife what you really want, okay? Don't, don't give her the stuff that it, it just doesn't work. That's not going to fly, okay? I really think you need this pan, <laughs> this pot, <laughs> so that you can be more in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no cookery utensils, no, nothing like that. Okay, so it just, it's just not going to work, you know? Don't give them something that you want. But when I find the heart behind that person, what, what is that thing that makes them so excited? My wife likes dark chocolate. You know, lint dark chocolate. Ooh. Then I score points, you know. And it's expensive, sure. But in any case, it's a price I'm willing to pay. Okay, but so the amazing thing is, when you give somebody something, it's like, whoa, it's going to bless them. It's like, and then when they open up that gift, it's like, whoa, you know. Why? Because I'm serving them. And we'll see what the motivation is a little bit later. I spoke about it this morning. So, so what is a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice, according to Romans 12, is a s- surrender or destruction of something for the sake of something else. If Paul writes and he says, you are a living sacrifice, he says, a surrender of your life and of your body and of everything inside of you to the point of destruction. Of something for the sake of something else. Now the world on the other side, there's this big word, narcissism. It's an inordinate fascination with oneself, an excessive self-love, erotic pleasure, vanity. The Bible talks about that. Some other words, big ones, self-centeredness, smugness, egocentrism. Okay, don't tell your friend she's a smug. Okay, that's not a compliment. Okay? It means you're self-centered, you're vanity, you're just vain. Just everything about the flesh. And so Paul beseeched these people. He says, when you come to God, it's like a surrender. But it's, it's not just about your feeling. It's like you, you bring yourself to a place where you become so vulnerable that you can be destroyed. When you're a living sacrifice, the purpose of the sacrifice is destruction. So I bring God a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? Now, it's a part of the gospel that many people don't want to hear because everybody wants to be happy in the kingdom of God. But God takes your brokenness and He wants you to be real and vulnerable. And there's a place where you can open yourself up and that's a part of God's love, you know. A part of God's love, it's called compassion, will hurt you in such a way that there's deep inner stuff that stirs inside of you for God and for His people. Now, many Christians, if you are self-focused, you never come to that place. Why? Because you've not become a sacrifice. You've not become that one that, that surrenders to that place where you realize, like, I'm, God can do with me whatever He wants to. Because if He's the owner of my life, He can put a demand on my life. I'm not just adding Him to my life. Sure. So surrender means to absolutely abandon oneself, to give oneself completely to someone or something else. The world says, do it to your flesh, do it to your ambitions, do it to your dreams. God says, I want you to become a living sacrifice. And it starts in this place, and it's, it's so amazing. We, why can we do that? Because we can trust Him. <laughs> will you... Will you um, that fall, I, I think it's getting to that video. Are you up there? 
Go on, Neil. Okay. So sometimes we must, we must practice to trust. We've all seen parts of these videos that people just like, we're going to do it a little bit later. Okay. Can you show that video? It's an exercise to trust one another. Step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right. And then everybody fill in. And we're going to ask you to fall, and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. I'm going to count to three. Just relax and fall. Okay? One, two, three. No, wait. No, no. Okay, so... I, I think trust trust is a big issue in our lives. Okay, so <laughs> I've I've looked at that video. Whenever I feel bad, I just look at that video over and over, and I think about how did this guy's nose look? What happened to his face? You know, did he put it out his arms or whatever? You know, um, no, we're not going to do that later. We're not going to do that later. Okay, so. But so let's, let's jump here, and I, I spoke, I'm going to catch on a little bit this morning. We spoke specifically about servanthood, but Luke 9, verse 43. Jesus went up onto the mountain. He was transfigured. These three guys saw him. It's just a great moment. He comes down, casts out demons. The power of God comes. Things are really beginning to happen. Things in the kingdom is coming. It's like zoof, zoof, zoof. And... Um, Listen to this. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears. He says, listen very carefully. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand the saying. It was hidden from them, so they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the saying. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to him, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever, whoever receives me receives him who sent me, for you is least among you all will be great. Whoa. Now, we're all humans. And so we like to compare ourselves. And this is exactly what the, de the, the disciples started to do. They started to say, now, We've seen all this stuff and things are really beginning to happen. Now, who of us will be the greatest? Come on, who's, who's, who's given the biggest sacrifice? Who's, who's gone the furthest? Who's, who's walked away from the most? Or, or what is, you know? And then, and then I love this where Jesus perceives their hearts. Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your heart. You know, you and I cannot hide a thing from him. He knows exactly. You know, and, 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 and you and I can trust him and therefore... Yeah, in this moment, he walks up to them and says, look, yeah, just like this child, you have to come like a child. Who's the greatest? You have to be able to receive this child in my name and receive me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. He says, it's the ability to receive from God. But if we're in control, you can't receive from the Lord. And that's why a lot of people come and worship and they sing nice songs. And they say, oh, that wasn't nice. But, but a lot of people have a block. And we're going to pray tonight that you get delivered from that block, from actually being able to receive from the Lord. Because sometimes we are hurt. Sometimes we, people that we were, so, were supposed to trust, they just walked out. Or somebody committed suicide on us. Or something happened in your life. And it's so difficult for you to receive. Even when somebody blesses you and talks, you know, you know says something nice about you. Or 
wants to give you a gift, and it's just like everything inside of you just says, no, 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 this can't be. So the root of being able to serve is first is childlikeness, is the ability to receive like a child. A child believes their parents are the best, you know. So just, just today, my son, you know, so I'm walking out of the house and my zip is open, you know. And he says, we, we, we're going to develop this thing, you know. My youngest son, and he, and he says, um, whenever I say X, Y, Z, you must be ready. I say, what? Examine your zip. I said, okay, okay, we'll have this language, you know. If he says X, Y, Z, I'm going to examine my zip, okay. And then he says, and, and if it's all right, then you just go A, B, C, already been checked. <laughs> so I'm also learning to be cool, okay. So if you see me and my zip is open, just I'll go like X, Y, Z, okay. <laughs> now <laughs> the secret is out in the church, you know. But I'm thinking that's so cool, you know. We're using the alphabet. We've learned the alphabet. Most of you have never used the alphabet after that, but he uses it. Okay, so cool. <laughs> in John 13, it says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. You see, we can serve out of our own self-righteousness, because a lot of people feel guilty for not serving. So they think like, well, that's the right thing to do. So we serve because we want to be recognized, control others, get external rewards. Or we serve out of a deep place of our hearts of thankfulness, out of humility. Also to subject our flesh and the pride, because serving becomes worship. Serving becomes worship. And it's a decision we make every day. Am I going to be a worshiper? Am I going to be a servant of God? You know, you know, yesterday, I told the story this morning, yesterday, so now, Saturday morning, it's been a busy week, and lots of stuff has happened. So the sun is shining outside, and now I look at the sun, and I think like, oh, yeah, now I must prepare a sermon and sit here for five hours, and self-pity comes all over me, and I'm thinking like, yeah, they're all running out there in the mountains, drinking milkshake and all that stuff, you know? And then suddenly the self-pity, like self-yammering, you know? Like, that thick lip comes, you know? And then we went to a wedding. And so, you know, weddings for most people is great fun. But, but for me, it's like I have to focus, okay? So, because this couple has an expectation. There's a lot of people that don't know the Lord. So, I go prayed up, focused, ready, you know? So, it was Yusuf and Anya's wedding yesterday. So, it was amazing, Okay? Johan and some of them are here. But so, so this is amazing. So, so now the wedding is finished. Everything went blessed. And I just think, like, okay, I can just go and sit at the table and go and eat and think a little bit. And now on the opposite of the table is this, the other side of the table is this rough diamond guy that just every second sentence, he's a Christian, but every second sentence is a swear word and he's offended with jets. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, uh, this is not a cherry on my cake for the day, you know? <laughs> So I go to the toilet, I sit in the toilet, do white throne judgment ministry, and say, Lord, help. I, I did nothing in the toilet except just sit there, close the door and think like, peace, peace be unto you, shalom. You know, every Hebrew word that I have, I spoke over this guy, you know. So I come back and as this guy just drinks his red wine, he's just going more for, against the church and da, 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 da. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, Lord, 
should I actually think even of loving this guy? And then the flesh just wants to kick in. And the Lord says, will you, will you, will you serve him with my love? Yo. So at the end, I just said to him, you know what? You just hurt. That's why you're reacting like this. Huh? And then suddenly your serving of people doesn't become a duty or stuff I need to do. It's, it's this massive privilege. Because serving is ministry. I'm ministering to people. I'm representing Jesus to them. Because there's something in my heart that, that I've seen in the heart of God. So we have a choice to make. That choice between serving, where I'm still in control, where, when. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to sign my life. My, my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tick off on that little roster because I want to be on the welcoming team, you know. It's cool, standing in the quad, welcome people. And I want to serve there in my courses and da-da-da-da-da-da. But I'm still in control. You can choose between serving and being a servant. And the difference between the two is the one is just simply the one is Jesus is Lord of your life. He's in control. And servanthood is then who I am. It's not what I do. So serving is not about ticking off a little box and doing more stuff for him. But I'm open to make myself vulnerable so that I can become a channel by which God ministers to others. See, then suddenly it's not just, I'm not just the usher there at the door because it's something I must do because I'm on a roster. I'm not just standing here on the stage or sitting there or, you know. Suddenly everything I do is I'm doing it for him. I'm serving God. Sure. The scary part, if you read scripture, you know, lots of the translations tries to write it away, but it's, Paul doesn't use the word servant. He actually uses the word slave. Slave with a bit of a difference, slave that is a son, a son that has an inheritance, but a son that serves. We want to tell people, hey, you're a son of God, you're a son of God, but sons always serve. They firstly and primarily a servant, but not a slave in the sense of, oh, I'm just working away, I'm just trying so hard. It's simply because, wow, there's a great inheritance coming. And so when I and you begin to say we, we're going to serve God, you know, and I, I never understood this. I, after I, I studied B accounting, I, I went to work as an accountant and all that stuff. And sure, it was difficult for me because I wanted to go into the ministry and preach up in Africa in a little tent, you know, and tell the world Jesus lives, you know. Wow, exciting stuff. And then the Lord said, go and work, you know. And I, I didn't want to because I thought like work is like, that's not sacred. That's not like spiritual. Doing work, studying. No, I'm just studying to, to get my life on so that I can see the kingdom of God come. <laughs> and I remember one day opening up this telephone book. No, most of you don't know what a telephone book is. It's a thick book that, that the post office would deliver at your home with all the telephone numbers in, okay? And there, you know, Stellenbosch, everyone that lived in Stellenbosch would have the telephone numbers in it. Not cell phone numbers, just the home numbers. Okay, now we have other telephone books. We have tele, telephone looks, okay? So, but so, it's called cell phones. But so, here I'm sitting and I'm just, I'm looking for somebody else. And then suddenly this number on this page just jumps out. And the Lord says, phone that guy. Phone that number. And I'm thinking like, this is crazy. So I phone the number. I say, hello. A lady on the other side say, Hello. How can I help you? I said, um, I'm, I'm phoning you because um, I think you have a job for me. 
never heard of the people, never, never, you know. So it's just like this number, the Holy Spirit said, find that number. She says, uh, when can you come for the interview? I said, I'm not an engineer. She says, no, no, for accountant, for, for you know. I, I said, yes, tomorrow. She says, okay, cool. Two days after that, I had a job. So the problem is now God gave me all this blessing and this benefit of this job. Then some said, where's it? It was just great and all that stuff. But three months down the line, I've got a problem. I've got an attitude problem. And after nine months, the boss calls me in and says, your heart is not here. I'm going to fire you if you don't pull up your socks. And then I repented and I realized, like, God, I'm actually working for you. Everything I do is serving and worshiping you. If I'm studying, I'm studying for you. Because the servant is who I am. It's who my master is. It's not stuff I do. I'm not just trying to get through life. Then suddenly the things we do become very spiritual. It's a lifestyle. And I can tell you many stories of testimonies, but one of them at the end of this work of about five or six years, the, the MD of the company called me in. And I already resigned. They gave me, wanted to give me three times what I earned. I said no. And then the, the boss came in and he said, the MD he said to me, do you know what? Because you and that mechanic has been praying for the last three years, I know that this company has prospered because you were praying. And I just want to thank you for that. I knew that you're going to work for the Lord full time. And I never preached that to him. I never had a Bible under my arm and bah, on his desk or anything like that. It's just praying, you know. And then he took a piece of paper and he slid it over the desk and he said to me, these are the 10 things that we're going to change in this company to become more Christian. He was not a Christian. This is what we're going to set right because of what you did. And I thought like, wow. Because I prayed, I said, God bless this company because I'm here. Lord bless this university because we are. Amen? So how can we serve? There's a lot of ways, but it starts with this attitude of the heart. It's hidden. There are organs in your heart. That's the most important ones. The ones that are unseen, your heart, your lungs, your liver. So it starts in the small things. How do you greet people? How do you, are you courteous? Are you, do you love people? Do you listen to them? That petrol guy there at Merriman Avenue. I'm on my way. Throw in the petrol. He's probably from Zimbabwe, family living there. And he sends 80% of his money back there to support his family. But see, if we're not interested in people, then we're just rushing through. We're not servants. We want to be served. Hospitality, do you invite people over, you know? If you can't make food, then Uber food, Uber everything. You can Uber everything today, okay? Uber the person to your house, you know, or... But so when, we, when we're even here in church, do you, you know, some, some people hate the one-minute connect. Some people like it because they find their girlfriend or his dear vault, okay, his wife now, okay. So one-minute connect has got a lot of privileges, okay, and a lot of stuff. You must just use the opportunity, guys, use the opportunity. But so in any case, so the amazing thing is, you know, we, we, we want to come in here and we want to do our own thing and I want to connect with my two or three people and sit next to them and then I just want to go on with life. But if I'm hospitable, if I'm allowing people to come into my life, yo, then I can bear their burdens, I can start giving. And 
you know, and we have two, two sides of giving. The one side or the two sides of the, the people that like to serve. You get the people that just naturally serve. And they burn out very quickly because they just want to serve everywhere. And then you get the people that are lazy, that never want to serve. They always want to be in charge. Yeah. And so maybe you're somewhere on that spectrum of serving. You know, some people like Richard here and some of Reinhardt and some of the people at the back, the sound people, they just serve, 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 serve. But when it comes to servanthood, then it's a discernment. It's a obedience to God, you know, like the Toscas in this world. They will like die just to serve and make people food and just like go for it, you know. And sometimes for those people who must say, whoa, stop. Remember, serving is obedience to God. And you need discernment in where you should serve. Because you can't meet all the needs. But you must discover what are those things that God has placed in your heart, the ability to serve others, to love others, to bear others' burdens. The world doesn't work like that. The only place probably where the world works like that is in the pub if you buy people drinks. Serve me, you know. Then everybody's good friends. But if we're really real, the world hasn't got any deep friendships because there's something missing. People don't serve each other. People just want to get from each other. So what is the motivation of serving Galatians 5 verse 13? For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He says, you have been set free so much. If God has given you so much, you've got such a freedom. It's not about works. It's not about competition. It's not about doing 400 things more for God. But you have such a liberty. But don't use that liberty for your own comfort, your own complacency, your own choices, your own culture, your own stuff. Learn that through that liberty, I've been called to serve others. Because greater love is no one than this, than somebody that lays down his life for his friend. It's a love that the world doesn't see. And that's why it says our motivation, our heart is, I am a servant because, wow, it's part of worship. My work is sacred. Tomorrow night we're starting with this financial wellness school. And part of that is that work is sacred. God, God worked by creating this earth. Most people think like, oh, you know, after six months of holiday year as a student, oh, I hate work, you know. I, we asked one of my children when they were small, what, what do you want to become one day? The person said, a grandpa. I said, why? No, because grandpa just eats chocolates, travels, does nothing, no work. I thought, yeah, we all want to be grandpas in a way, you know. <laughs> then I sat him down and said, hey, do you know how hard grandpa worked on the farm? He was at a dairy for 15 years. He didn't miss one day at, in that dairy, not a Saturday or a Sunday. He was there every day for 15 years. So give grandpa an opportunity to sit and eat as much chocolates as he wants to. Oh, no, I don't want to be a grandpa anymore. <laughs> But we see it, you know, people just rush into this one job. I, I hear it so many times. People study here, then they start working after three months. No, 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 this work is not for me. I, 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 don't, I, I can't work. This is, this is too tough for me. Eight to five, it's going to kill me. Exactly. And so when we see that as sacred, when we see that as worship, something begins to change. We can worship God. 
it becomes worship. It's not just a set of rules. So, so where do we start? What, what is the inner room? What is the inner organs of your life? It's called prayer. Listen to this, Psalm 141, verse 1 to 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. It says, Lord, my prayer is like worship. It's like this incense in the temple that goes up to you. It's amazing. You know, there will be no revival in this town or in this campus if there's no prayer. Prayer is the detonator of that bomb. Prayer is that inner room. Prayer is where we serve God. Prayer is where we listen to what he says and we begin to speak that over our nation, over each other. Listen in Acts, you know, they, you know, some people say, no, 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 don't be religious. No, don't. There was a lot of discipline because Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. <laughs> there was a constant place where the believers came together and they just prayed. They weren't looking for the next social, they just prayed. There were certain hours in the week where people just came every day, nine o'clock. Boof, started to pray, lifted up incense to God, lifted up holy hands. So maybe, you know, I, when I came into a church like this, I thought like the people are really scary because they're lifting up their hands. But the lifting up their hands is like an evening sacrifice. Like, Lord, here's my life. I surrender everything. Give you everything. Just like a child that would say, Daddy, pick me up. Last scripture, and then we're going to pray for each other, and we're going to minister to each other. Ephesians 6, after the armor has been put on, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Sure. How much are you praying for your small group? How much are you praying for the people in your church? Because the Bible says, Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful, praying for the saints, praying for your brothers and your sisters. And that's where it starts. Just take your small group's names and begin to pray for them. Say, Father, I pray. I pray that Zerubbabel will become who you've created him to be. I bless that name, okay? I hope there's nobody Zerubbabel here. I almost made the mistake last week. But Lord, let him become. I, I pray that Christ be formed in him. I pray that the eyes of his understanding will open up. I pray, God, that you walk by faith. I pray that you protect her. I pray, God, that you will release her into her calling and her giftings, Lord. I pray for her husband. I'm not praying for my own. I'm praying for her husband, Lord, that you will bless him because he's somewhere out there or maybe somewhere in here. I, I don't know, but in any case, <laughs> that was not a joke. But so, When we start praying for each other, but, but how much do we actually carry each other's burdens? And the problem lies in the heart. The problem lies that we, we don't know how to serve anymore. And that's why Jesus, Philippians 2 says, is he humbled himself even to the point of death. The servant king. The humble king. I don't think you and I can imagine what he had to go through leaving the glory of heaven. To come and serve ordinary man like you and me. Sure. Imagine you are this king in this massive palace and you forsake everything. And you're going to live on the street. He did much worse than that. That's true humility. That doesn't mean become a doormat around every corner because you need discernment. You need obedience. Only serve where God has called you because it's a condition of the heart. It's not about doing more. 
But when you have a passion for his house, especially. When you have a passion for this university and you drive through or you walk through this university and say, God, you know, save this university. Save these people here, you know. I take the long road there through Victoria and then Merriman and then across Dachbrick because especially Dachbrick needs salvation. There's some courses that really need salvation. But so, you know, did I go around this one and say, Lord, break that Eiffel. I don't know. No, Lord, break that thing. No, I don't know what I pray. But let's say that's just a joke. So, you know, I said, Lord, let the kingdom come, you know. But then suddenly you begin, call, begin to call on, Lord, I'm here because I'm, I'm serving your purposes in this town. It's a redemptive purpose. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.